0: Yeah, fuck you, Everest, actually. You prick. Prick.
1: Hello, welcome to an episode of What Three. A Way To Go. Day Three. 3. 33. Three. Welcome to episode 33 of What A Way To Go. This is a podcast about unusual deaths, near misses, and bizarre stories. Indeed, We are your hosts... I'm Eleanor Gamer. I'm Sarah Austin, uh, and I'm Claire Daly. And I just
0: saw Angela Griffin run through the station. Did Do you, you remember it? her was in the nineties? Was she in Coronation Street? Yes. Yes. Like a very nineties TV if person. If I'm thinking of the right person, who I think probably went out with Darren, not Darren Osborne. <laughs> he, who was the like the the womanizer from the nineties? Oh, Paul Dan. No. No. Daryl, God, his sorry, my anecdote has like immediately gone very
1: badly. The more you talk, the more I realise you did watch a lot of soaps when you were younger.
0: Well, well, no, I didn't. I never watched Coronation Street, but you knew of Angela Griffin <laughs> or Griffith, maybe. Fucking hell. We've lost all the American okay. <laughs> already, so. Just carry Shall on. Let's just start again. Anyway, <laughs> an old actress from the 90s just saw her running through the station, like just now. She looks really good for her age. She's, she's aging incredibly well. Good. Reverse aging, Benjamin that Button. Is my story of the day. That is Claire's big news. Well done. You've had a great day, clearly. What a great day. Just looking at things, taking it all in. Getting Getting, wind getting swept. a little bit cold. Yeah, got quite cold.
1: Nice. Um how are we doing? I tell you what, actually, I'm at least seven percent improved in my day to day life because I've got new cats. Mm. Um, for the listeners, the little lads that don't follow me personally, because why would you? That's weird. That's not weird, but why would you? I'm not interesting. Um, I got two little cats at the weekend, Roy and Lenny, and they're absolute idiots, and they're amazing. And Daley and Elle's met them on Saturday. They're so beautiful, and they just make my life so
0: tiny. Yeah,
1: make my life a lot better. Um, so I'm just yeah, I'm 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 improved. My mood is improved. Maybe I'll put a little pick up on Instagram. What a way to go. Yeah. I don't need an excuse. I'll just put it up there. They are good.
0: All right, shall I, get, shall I, shall I talk to you? Shall I tell you a story? Tell us a story, Daily. I'm slightly worried that one of you might have this as well because it's quite of the moment. Okay. It's quite du jour. Mm. Mine's not that recent, but it's within. Okay, mine's like last week.
1: Mine's oh, old. Mine's Can I guess what this is? Yeah. Is it something to do with toothpaste? No. Oh. I heard a headline on the news the other morning and I thought I should listen to this because this might help me for to- No, it was literally yesterday. This might help me for tomorrow, but then I just turned it off because I had to go. <laughs> and I'm sure it was cool. cool story, bro. angrily turned the radio on. I've got to go. I can't do this. I think it was something about someone being saved by some toothpaste. So then I tried to oh, Google man. it, but maybe I just misheard it. I don't know. That would be good. Let's well I'll put a pin in that and come back to that one sure, day. Yeah. Um no, I would like to say that I remember but I don't remember, so tell us.
0: Well, I'm gonna tell you about the fucked up world of climbing Everest.
1: Oh god. Oh this is oh what Yeah.
0: It is Unbelievable. I have really that gone on a journey with this research.
1: Photo gave me heart palpitations. Horrible.
0: It's absolutely awful. horrendous. What photo? So, well, let me tell you. Moss has been busy. Gamer, let me tell you. On the 23rd of May, I'll just get my notes. I've actually had to take my glasses off because I can't wear my my headphones and my glasses. So I might just have to hold my <laughs> papers really close. All right, Nana. I either. Hang on. I've got a way to do this. Talking about yourselves, so I'll just put my glasses on over the headphones and I can look like a total. Lunatic. Nerd. Nerd. All right. Okay. So on the twenty third of May yeah. last week, this time last week, last Wednesday, a photo went viral because it showed a long queue of of hundreds of climbers in a row waiting to get to the summit of Everest. What? So like queuing up back to back, not back to back, back to
1: front, <laughs> back to back, front to queuing, <laughs>
0: just queuing tightly packed queuing, waiting to summit Mount Everest. And it went totally viral. So it's an astonishing photo. Um, it was taken by, so here we go, a striking photo taken by Nirmal Purja um, went viral. It showed more than 100 climbers waiting, some for up to 12 hours, for a turn on the summit.
1: No, that's horrible. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and on that day, so on the 22nd of May, when he actually took the photo, more than 200 people reached the top of the 8,848 metre peak that day. So I don't know how much you know about Everest. Big. It's massive. It's fucking huge. <laughs> um, or much about like climbing it or anything like that. I, I knew Quite very, hard. very little. And I've found out loads. And it's all absolutely fascinating. But given that it's the tallest mountain in the world, it would be easy to assume that its summit would be one of the most isolated places in the world. Yeah. But it is literally a queue.
1: Is it? Has it always been? Or is that just because it's... More well, I know it
0: obviously hasn't always, always, but
1: I read something this week about that. Yeah, I hope I'm not treading on any toes. No, no, no. That said that, um, there's been this really big surge in people doing challenging fitness things, yeah, and it's like a real popularity craze. Mm-hmm. Also, coupled with Instagram and social media, people wanting to do things for the gram, yeah, it's meant that loads and loads of unexperienced people or people that would never have normally done it have decided to do it, which meant that not only does it mean it's Busier and overpopulated, but there's also people that are slowing everybody else down because they're not very good climbers and they should technically not be climbing Everest. Yeah,
0: like there are people that are up there that can't even. Be, so you know crampons, are like the kind of diggy things that put on the bottom of your hiking shoes. There are people that have never put those on before and they're climbing the highest mountain on earth.
1: That's mad. Shouldn't there be some sort of like criteria? Well,
0: I'll, let me tell you. There's not. Let me let me tell you a little bit more. There's not really. Um, so kind of like old school. Uh, mountaineers have uh, have for for years been lobbying to have like a bare minimum of experience. So you have to have at least climb a mountain that's six thousand meters, for example. So um, Everest is eight well, thousand, almost nearly nine thousand. Everest is as high as planes crews so what? when you're up and fully in the air for hours and hours, that's how high Everest is. It would, like, scrape the bottom of the plane. Um, obviously, lots of mountaineers want to do it as a massive challenge, but other people that just fancy themselves as adventurers also want to do it. And lots of rich people that fancy themselves as adventurers can do it because well it? an expedition to... Let's see if you can guess how much an expedition up up to Everest. I can, I'll take a range. I've got a range.
1: £12,000. Higher. It can get up to the hundreds of thousands, can't it? It's,
0: well, the highest I've seen is sixty five thousand dollars. Okay. Um. But so between thirty thousand and sixty five oh, thousand dollars.
1: What average Joe has got that kind of money to Not splash out. No, around. average
0: Joe. No average Joe's have got that kind of money splashed. But around. it can't.
1: I mean, you can't have that many upper to middle class people that can that are doing this. I like, I don't I don't know. There's don't enough.
0: Know. There's enough people that are doing it that want to do it. Bloody hell. Um. And of course, obviously, because. It's an incredible income source for tour companies and the... The, the kind of local not Sherpa companies because Sherpa's are the people but the the local tour operators, a massive source of income. So there's loads and loads of competition. Mm. So there's like prices being cut left, right and centre, more accessible to people, loads more people are doing it. And as you say, like that kind of that kind of adventurer lifestyle, getting things for the gram, getting things to like prove that you've done it, mm. it's a it's a total shift in kind of the generations of people wanting to climb Everest. Um do you want to take a little guess at how long
1: an expedition up to the summit of Everest will take you? You? It's a long time, isn't it? Because you have to like stop at levels yeah. to acclimatize, don't two you? Two weeks? I, I would say like two months, two maybe. Months. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So basically, when you're climbing Everest, you kind of tr- the first step is a nine day trek to base camp. Base camp's about 5,000 meters, and that's where everyone starts for their proper, proper trek. So that's nine days just to get there. And then basically, you spend about three weeks kind of like doing circuits up to higher camps because you have to acclimatise because obviously there's a massive difference in pressure, massive difference in oxygen levels. So you would just get instant altitude sickness and fatigue and die, basically, unless you did this. So you kind of spend two to three weeks like climbing up for a bit, staying in these camps for like four nights, five nights, back down to base camp, then up again and back down to base camp. And then you have like five days recovery at base camp before you go up again for the proper summit attempt. So then, when you finally do go to the summit attempt like you you go up and you stay in two or three different places on the way, and then you stay in this camp called South Cole, and then the summit itself you, it kind of takes you like a whole twenty four hours and then you've gotta get back down the other side, so basically, it's just like incredibly long
1: sounds a bit boring if I'm honest,
0: I think it sounds amazing, but i th- it's it would be i mean I would be it's fucking. Walking, shit. Be so it? bad at. It. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, you're, at the high, you're walking up to the top of the world squares, I don't think. Well, maybe it is boring. Um, I bet it looks amazing. I bet it looks amazing. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, so basically um, once you get to, once you're ready to kind of what they call summit as a verb, you have to wait for a weather window, and that's part of why it's been so packed this year, because oh. the weather window has been so sh- short So, this year's Everest climbing season is so far the fourth deadliest on record, with mountaineers blaming poor weather, inexperienced climbers, and a record number of permits issued by the Nepalese government, which, along with the rule that every climber has to be accompanied by a Sherpa, led to there being more than 820 people trying to reach the summit. Eleven climbers have died in nine days, most of them last week. What? at That's the same mad. time that this this photo was taken. Oh my gosh. Um so then obviously because of all the trending um all, all of the photos going viral, lots of other people who were up there, their photos were going viral. Um there is a filmmaker from Ottawa called Elias Sykely who is who also posted a haunting photo from the same day of Everest Climbers stepping over a dead body as they queue for the summit. And it's basically like you can't do anything. So basically this dead body is more or less hanging off a, um, like an, a, an anchor rope that you're holding on to. But you're in this queue. There is literally no way you can turn around. You cannot be- get back down. You have to just trudge, like, trudge ahead because there's no other option. So you just have to go past yeah. this person who's died. Well, and... how
1: people that died stay deaf that...
0: Well, yeah, they don't come down. There's like, like 300 dead bodies decades. on Everest.
1: Yeah. Does that... Do, I mean... I get that bit. I think I knew that bit. But does it not get moved? Like, will that dead body always be in that ascent? I guess it's but, risky for them. I guess, yeah. Who's going to take... Because so many are, like, in an ice cave or hanging off a crevice or, like, what...
0: Yeah. Someone. You're not just... going to be able to... So, the weather the, the wind... So, let's take this example, right? So, this... If you imagine the queue is along this really um, thin ridge... And um, so the ridge is only wide enough for one person to stand at a time. So the queue is going like completely um packed tight along this ridge of people just moving forward, and basically the body is like hanging off here. There's no way they someone heading up to the summit isn't going to be able to like no. take that body with them. And there's no equipment that's going to be able to get you round any other way. Or do you and not the, come back down that way? No, you you have to just go forward and you come back down the other oh, side I basically. See. And there's no like any any weather window that it's going to be safe enough for some kind of like rescue attempt or you know recovery attempt that's going to need the entire thing to be clear. It's just, it's not going to happen. Mm. Basically, it's not going to happen. It's awful. It's like a, it's a horror show, basically. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's really horrible. Because also,
1: in theory, does it mean that that person died in front of loads of people too? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. People have said, so there's this, the, what they're calling the dead zone above a particular height because basically there's absolutely just not enough oxygen to breathe while you're up there. So you have to have, this is fairly standard, like a lot of mountains will probably require you to have oxygen canisters but because then people are waiting for 12 hours they're using up all their oxygen they're getting completely fatigued they're getting they're just they're dying from exhaustion and lack of oxygen um and it's been someone referred to seeing someone die in the dead zone of just like sitting down and not getting back up again like sitting down with exhaustion and never getting back up again um so there's all these kind of factors there's all these combinations that are causing people to keep dying um So there's loads. There's kind of politics around it because there's lots of kind of admin and government control and permits. Permits are like eight thousand dollars. Obviously, you know the Nepalese government is that's going to be a huge source of income for them. And it's not like, you know, you're probably going to have a lot of pressure to just keep giving out permits Mm. and keep it like you know making a good amount of money. Um, but the main the main Contributing factors is the missed weather window, bad crowd management, which is a bit to do with the permits, but also to do with an earlier weather window that people weren't taking a chance on in case it wasn't long enough. So there was a weather window, but no one took it. So then when the second one came, everyone went to take it. Mm. Um, Competition between operators, again, meaning more people are up there, less experienced people are up there, um, and the inexperience of the climbers. So you've got people... I mean, some of the pictures I'll post, but it's it's literally just like ice walls... And people who probably have climbed, you know, the odd mountain in the UK are going up there because they want a big adventure and they're having a midlife crisis. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the the photographer, the filmmaker that I mentioned earlier um, was talking to The Guardian and he was saying of the deceased climber, that person's body was fixed to an anchor point between two safety lines and every single person that was climbing towards the summit had to step over that human being. It's difficult for people at sea level who are not mountaineers who have never been above 8,000 metres to understand that particular scenario. When you're on Everest and you're in the death zone and you can barely think it becomes a very complicated situation and you realise in your mind that your fate could be the same and with a line-up pushing you up the mountain there's nothing you can do. You really have no choice but to carry on. So you're really in a situation you're on top of the highest mountain in the world with 300 people behind you. You can't just turn around or do anything about it so you've just got to
1: I'm surprised somewhere. there's not more people that have died then, to be honest. Yeah. Because if there it's like if it's like twelve hours yeah. you must have to be told how to regulate your oxygen, surely. Well,
0: so I I was reading about the oxygen supplies. Sometimes um oxygen canisters can be left in like strategic places for tours. Um but because there's this kind of undercutting and probably less um what's the right word? Like less good <laughs> operators Um, people nick them. So basically when you steal a preset oxygen cylinder, you're you're killing someone basically in those situations. Um, So it's just an absolute bum rush to get everyone up to the top of the mountain and make loads of money and everyone just wants to say that they've climbed Everest and it is turning it into a total nightmare. I've got some Everest facts for you if you want. Oh, yeah. Um, The first descent, Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay, 1953, Notable ascents, 1924, George Mallory and Andrew Irvin disappear going for the summit in one of mountain, Mountaineering's most enduring mysteries. Oh, Which felt a little bit what well, a way to go, but I mean, they probably just like, had a horrible accident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't I, think there was any. Died and got covered in. Yeah. Nice. Um, 1975, first woman to climb Everest. Nice. Up Junko the Tabe. Rebecca Stevens is the first, 1993, Rebecca Stevens' first British woman to climb it. And a number of disabled climbers have reached the summit, including blind American Eric Wienmayer in 2001 and w- double amputee Mark Inglis from New Zealand in
1: 2006. Wow. Mm.
0: Um, so yeah, just thought like that that news story really caught my eye because I was like, you just wouldn't expect it. Like I've been up, I've been to Arthur. I've been up Everest. I've been up Everest, But like I've been to Arthur's Seat during the Edinburgh Festival, and there's a queue to get to the top there. So you're like, oh, fuck this, and you don't bother because yeah. you've only you've walked for twenty minutes. But you know, two months, you're like, you can't say fuck this. No. There's no saying fuck this. And you Even can't turn like, around and go back. No, you've, you've just got to literally keep climbing. Yeah. So. Um,
1: Have you got a picture yeah. of the picture? of the not actually printed it out let me show you actually I was um, following Mandy Moore on oh, inst- yeah and she's just got Instagram oh, yeah. stories <laughs> yeah. as that picture came out and she specifically told like her audience that she was only doing like the certain levels at the bottom she wasn't gonna like do Everest she was just doing Nepal and the she surrounding areas because she was like I can't do it like I'm not ready for this and she's done quite a few big mountain things because that's like her I don't know she really enjoys it yeah. and I was like part of me because she didn't upload for like This is before I realised what she was doing. She didn't upload for like 24 hours. And I was like, fuck, is she dead? Is she one of the women dead? She's one of the 11. There you go. Isn't it mad? Oh, shit. And you've got to take all your shit with you as well. Yeah. Oh, no. That looks horrible.
0: And those poor Sherpas, like a lot of the deaths will be Sherpas as well. You know, they do it for a a living. That's their. Yeah. Um, That's the fucked up world of climbing Everest. Thanks.
1: Thanks. No desire to.
0: No, I mean, I think it would be amazing, even if Squares thinks it would be boring, and I think it looks incredible.
1: It's not that I think that, because also Mandy Moore, the stuff that she was posting did look incredible, and I'm sure that it would be amazing to see. It's more the repetition. Like, I don't think that I I would enjoy the acclimatising type thing. I think I would enjoy the climb, I think that I'd enjoy the views, I think the thing, but I think that I would get bored of the... Monotony of doing the same yeah. things over and over again, rather than I'd get bored of climbing Everest. I don't yeah. think anyone could say that. I also get quite annoyed um, by snow. So you so get annoyed I, uh, by snow? Yeah, it's just wet and cold, isn't it? I've yeah, I'm. I get it
0: in like on in day to day life, like outside when you're just walk, trying to get somewhere and it's stopping you. But like up a mountain, it's the best. I mean, I've never. I'm in a real minority here. Mm. You do. I have thought a snow I was holiday. in a group of mountaineers.
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I like mountains. I just like like big ones or necessarily snow covered ones. Mm-hmm. I like hiking. Mm-hmm. I actually don't. Yeah, I don't know. I like the views. <laughs> I, I just don't carry you on our shoulders. Yeah, helicopter. What are those
0: chairs called? <laughs> Sedan chairs.
1: <laughs> I would <also> love that <laughs> up the mountain. <laughs> I just, I just don't know if I'm going to go to Everest. That's, that's fine. Fine.
0: I mean, it costs sixty five grand, so probably not. If you are on
1: the lottery, would you do it?
0: No, no, because of all this. Oh I just climb like some nice I'd climb some Alps or something. You don't need to go to the top of the world. Do something you can go up and down in like three or four days. Mm. Get to the top, get back down, no other not too many other people around. Fine. Not Everest, no thanks. <laughs> Take that Everest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. fuck you, Everest, actually. You're prick. You prick.
1: Elena, Elena. Give, us, give us it. Okay. Tell Good us it. Story. Story. Um, mine's, uh, meat-related.
0: (laughs) Oh, Sure.
1: (laughs) good. (laughs) Good. So, um, we've said before that we don't eat meat. Claire eats meat. Yeah. She can do it if she wants. Choices. She irons, she eats meat. (laughs) What do you want from her? I'm
0: a woman from the 1950s. (laughs) Mm.
1: (laughs) Hmm. Is that what the only two things that women did in the 1950s? Basically, yeah. Well, they couldn't go to work, (laughs) could they? (laughs) No. Couldn't vote. No, no. I think they could... Think they could vote? Had they in the nineteen yeah. fifties? I thought it was like the nineteen sixties. I mean, yeah. I'm not a suffragette, so no. Don't quote th- me on it. Uh, 19 tw- 18? eighteen. Nineteen eighteen was. Didn't when- we just have hundred years of the vote? Yeah, 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 yeah. Nineteen was when. Can we cut but this? You, you had to be married, didn't you? And over like. Oh yeah, quite- maybe. So I think like votes for women from eighteen. Don't know when that came in, but anyway, essentially, cut this. This is nothing to do. Again, with no story. one's
0: tuning in for the facts. No. That um, should be the tagline of this whole podcast. Yeah. What a way to go. No one's tuning in for the facts.
1: <laughs> um so this is just a story of some some meat done good. <laughs> what?
0: Meat done good? I assumed it would be killer meat.
1: No. Nope. Mm. The meat's the good guy in this story. Where is this gonna go? Do you
0: just mean animals? No. Because meat. that's not the same thing as me. No.
1: I, I don't mean <laughs> <think> it. <laughs> I don't
0: know, you vegans.
1: <laughs> She's not a vegan, don't follow that. I'm not a <laughs> okay. vegan. We've had this conversation. I cut it all out of one of the podcasts. <laughs> I'm not going around that circle again.
0: Sorry, do go
1: on. Uh, so, this is a story about a man called Chris McCabe. Uh
0: huh.
1: He is a butcher. Oh, yeah. And he'd been running a butcher's in Totnes for 30 years. When, one day in December 2017, the day started out like a normal day at the butchers. He was... Butchering. Butchering, yeah. But he needed to get some more lamb shanks. So he went to the um, big old walk-in freezer. Uh, uh... (laughs) Uh-oh. It was, like, quite cold. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He would think. It was minus 20 degrees in there. In that freezer? What's colder, Everest or this freezer, do you reckon? Great
0: question. I reckon Everest because people get frostbite on Everest, but let's find out.
1: You'd (laughs) get frostbite at minus 20, wouldn't you? Yeah, if you were there for long enough. He gets frostbite in the freezer in Short Circuit (laughs) 1. Great. (laughs) And that is definitely not... Very good point. ...as cold as minus 20.
0: Um, Do you know what? It's a tie. The average summit temperature is minus 19 degrees. Oh. Plus so, or minus two. So that's oh, not okay. a
1: tie. That freezer flips well, right, it I'll to I'll the post. Yeah, Fuck Everest, mate. This is actually more hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Um, so, he was barely through the door of the freezer when he heard a big old slam behind him. Uh, and he turned around to find that the huge steel door had shut Shit. So it had been, so it was quite a, quite a windy December day. And he had underestimated how windy the day was. Uh, so he'd not used anything to pop up the door because he didn't think that it would do that. But it did. So it slammed shut. Um, So he thought, no worries. There's an emergency button in here, so I'll just use that and get myself out. So he mm-hmm. went to do that bang on the emergency button but it was stuck so it didn't move frozen frozen frozen. probably quite frozen yeah Mm. Uh, so he was trapped in this freezer so in the middle of the freezer was a big old fan and that was blowing this cold air around minus 20 degrees december anyway in this big old freezer so chris realized that all in all, if he didn't get out fairly quickly, he, he yeah, wouldn't survive more than he estimated about an hour. About an hour.
0: Cold on Everest. Because he hasn't got his... Um, Heater. You know, well, he's not got a radiator in there for a, for a kick-off. No. But he also hasn't got his big, he- snug, you know, the uni- jackets.
1: Uniqlo heat tech. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. He's probably only in his overalls. Mm.
1: Yeah, in his butcher's apron. Butcher's apron. Oh, and nothing else, that's it. Just a sexy apron. <laughs> sexy butchers.
0: That was a mistake.
1: Um, so, I should talk to HR about his outfit. <laughs> his costume. No, uniform. That was what I was looking for. Sorry. So, to make things worse, the freezer was 50 yards from the back of the shop. So, he knew that even if he banged on the door or yelled for help, no one was going to hear him. So, he thought, oh, I'm in a bit of a pickle... Because mm-hmm. I'm in a freezer and I can't get out And I might die I don't do anything about it So he said that he tried to Like p- like punch his way through Four inches of solid ice With his fists mm. Not a good idea And To get to what? Yeah it doesn't say Maybe yeah, it's not it like the... all around the button or something Unless oh. it's <laughs> an igloo <Yeah. laughs> The freezer's not it's made not of nice. ice Maybe it's an igloo <laughs> Uh, I so. not in Tottenham, anyway. No. Yeah. Don't know. Yeah, don't know. don't know what his plan was there. Um, and Still, the point
0: is he tried. Yeah,
1: he tried. He tried his best. But uh, that didn't work. He then went to kicking. So he kicked hard three times, but I think he probably just hurt himself. He Broke his leg. Yeah, yeah he didn't sense. get out. So, no luck. So he knew that he had to find something that he could like hit this button with that was like heavier than... His hand, essentially. Mm-hmm. So he started to look around the freezer for something, but he needed something quite weighty. So like more than just like your average frozen burger. That wasn't going to cut it. Shit. Um, so after looking around and like moving some stuff out the way, he found a foot-long black pudding. Ugh. I know. Oh my God. Yeah. This is not where I thought no. the story was going. This is not what I thought. So he, Chris says that the black pudding weighs four pounds and looks like a big old truncheon. Big <laughs> black pudding truncheon. How much is four pounds in like normal?
0: What's that? What, what is, what's four pounds? It, what what's would four weigh, pounds? Four, like what would weigh four pounds that I know, a stupid person?
1: It's 1.5 kilograms. So that's okay. like a big bag of flour and then a normal. A little bag weight of in the flour.
0: gym. A little weight in body parts, yeah. <laughs> Okay. So, not, but all right, but it's long. It's
1: long and it's stiff. It's long and it's stiff. I've got a picture of it. All right. That's a black pudding. Oh, look at it. Chunky. Mm. Phallic. Yeah. So, he bashed the the button with the black pudding repeatedly.
0: (laughs) Could be a (laughs) (laughs) euphemism. Hot.
1: Until we heard it crack, the the button. (gasps) not, Not the black pudding. Not the black pudding. Um... Chris said that he had been bloody damn frightened and was quite shaken,
0: uh-uh.
1: but obviously knew that he was going to get out. So he felt too shaken to go straight back into the shop. Um, and so he said that he spent some time gathering his thoughts. And um, he said that all he could think is how marvellous that black pudding was. Uh. So news spread quite quickly, obviously, about the man that was saved by a giant black pudding. Of course. So... Um, people were coming into his shop and they were saying that it was lovely to see him alive. He got some kids coming in who wanted to take selfies with him. Great. And uh, their local pantomime, um, Darth Vader's lightsaber, doesn't go into detail about why Darth Vader was in the pantomime. <laughs> it's a free-for-all panto. You can do
0: whatever you Everyone's want. Everyone's
1: in there. Uh, was Was replaced with a black pudding sausage in the honour of... Chris McCabe. I'd love to have been in that audience and not know that that happened to Chris McCabe. Yeah, like, that's what I'm up <laughs> to now. Amdram, fuck. <laughs> Word went all the way to the Queen. Almost. Oh! Prince Charles oh, heard no, all I, about it. Worse. Yeah. Oh. And so he went to the shop, and when the butcher handed it to him, so I'd, uh, oh. I don't know whether this is the butcher as if they're referring to the same guy or whether, like, presumably there's more than one butcher. Anyway, Prince Charles said, my word, it's like a truncheon, isn't it? Will you please mis- give Mr. McCabe my best wishes? So it wasn't wasn't, it wasn't him, him that gave it to him. He wasn't, didn't even fucking turn up to see Prince Charles. I know, yeah. Didn't give a fuck, mate. He's a Republican. Uh, of course he is. Um, Disclaimer, he might not be a Republican. We don't know. We don't know, no. Please don't us. So, he says that um, he's... Luckily, he's had someone come and check that button now, Um, so it's got a vapor seal fitted on it, so it won't freeze over again. Sensible, good. And he checks it every morning. (laughs) Bless him. He's seventeen. and he works a six-day week. I'm not going to get caught up. Life
0: in. was telling you to slow down. Yeah.
1: Probably Prince Charles went on his day off, which is fair enough that he didn't go in for it. Yeah, Prince Charles' team should have checked yeah. his schedule. Someone's dropped a ball up there. Yeah. But he said um, that it was such an unpleasant experience that if he's driving up on Dartmoor and it's wet, he finds that he thinks, I'm just going to go a bit slower because he's realised how easy it is for something to go wrong in such a short amount of time. Um, and as for the black pudding, fate of the black pudding, he um, he, he has sold it, did. I
0: hope he sold it for a good amount. I I put it on eBay well. or something.
1: But he's replaced it many times, um, and he still really likes black pudding. And for the foodies amongst everyone, he recommends popping it in a bit of stew, because it thickens it up quite nicely. <laughs> That's it. Very good. Daily, are you going to be doing that?
0: Do you um, like black pudding? Do you like stew? Uh, uh, yes, I like stew. <laughs> I think I I can tolerate black pudding.
1: It's always freaked me out. Yeah. Always, always freaked me out. If you
0: think about it too much, it's just like... Well, I, I
1: just like, don't how see how you can't. Hmm. Congealed fucking pig's blood. like. Yeah, when you put it you like that. You <laughs> mad? Who came up with that? I... I have to say, I'm one of those people that has decided I don't like it without ever actually trying it, I yeah. think, because the thought freaks me out quite a lot. But I
0: feel like there are some food things, so I'm a big proponent of like, just fucking try everything, but I do get, <laughs> like, I'll try everything. Food and otherwise. Sweet. Climbing Everest. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, I but So I would always try any food, but I totally get some things, why people don't want to try them, black pudding's from one of them, mussels is another, like, I get it if you don't want to try mussels. They look fucking weird. Yeah. Slimy
1: guys are rank. Yeah, I don't think they're all right. Mussels.
0: Oh yeah, I mean they are. Yeah, they're delicious. I oh, no, I was understand. thinking
1: of oysters. Mussels are more oh, palatable. Oh, I than was oysters. thinking of oysters actually, but yeah, I well, don't
0: mind either. I would probably get oysters too, but just give it, give it a go. Uh, but yeah, black pudding. I will have it, and if it's on the plate with the fry up, I will have it. But I probably would never choose it because it's a bit weird. weird. <laughs> But then I really, really love haggis, and that's not much work, not much better.
1: That's what's that mince meat and sheep's lining stomach?
0: I think it's mostly just like sheep's digestive systems.
1: Interesting.
0: In a little bag. Green. Well,
1: but then I guess it is that thing of if something's gonna die, then eat you have the whole mm. thing. Mm-hmm. All right, well done. And you never well. know when it might get you out of a freezer, so mm. give it the respect I- it deserves. I mean, I'm definitely not going to get stuck in a freezer at a butcher's, mm. so I don't think I would need that black pudding for that. But it's fine. The escapology of it all could happen to anyone. Needing to hit something hard with a hard thing to escape it, you never know. I really did think that you were going to say he got into a sheep's carcass.
0: He <laughs> <laughs> mm. Star wars did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. He, Sorry. the Revenant, it... it
0: yeah. Spoiler, I haven't seen that. It <laughs> 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 was about five years ago, mate. Okay. Well done. Thanks, Alice. Enjoyable. Well Very done. good. Sarah Louise oh, Stin. Yes. Hi. I'm going to tell you a story. Well, that's what we we're expecting. Okay, so cool. be good if you did.
1: Um, <clears throat> it is a bit sad. Sorry. Okay. Um, so I'm going to tell you the sad story about Sam Ballard. Who did something in 2010 that changed his life completely and led to his death in 2018? Oh no, I think I know what this one is. Should should I say? Yeah, is it to do with a slug? Yeah. Yeah. This what? is quite sad. This is quite sad. Yeah, I don't go into too much sadness. Um, so that was this story. But in 2010, Sam was drinking with his mates in Australia. He was 19 then, um, and he was an avid rugby player and liked messing about with his pals. They often challenged each other to super pranks and dares. It was a dare suggested that night that would ultimately lead to his death. So whilst, whilst he and his pals were drinking in the garden of their friend Jimmy Galvin, a slug began crawling across the concrete patio at the home in Sydney. So Galvin's actually quoted... Saying we were sitting over here having a bit of red wine, having a bit of a red wine appreciation night, trying to act as grown-ups. And then the conversation came up when the slug appeared. Should I eat it? And everyone said, Yes. Eat that slug. Do it. And Sam I had- realise
0: that my face is not coming across over the mic, <laughs> but I'm pulling a very complex face. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm totally confused. Um <clears throat> so Sam grabbed the slug. And swallowed it whole. After downing the slug, slat...
0: I mean, can we just take a second? That was Yeah, it makes, me, yeah, it makes me feel so
1: weird. Like the thought of a. I remember like accidentally touching a slug when I was small, and like, you know, some things you think back to, and then it makes your whole like, blah. Yeah. After downing the slug, Sam became weak and complained of severe pain in his legs. What? He initially feared that he might have developed multiple sclerosis, which is something that his father suffered from. But straight he... away, or yeah. So this happened straight away. Um, I think maybe maybe an hour or two later, like the same evening. Fuck. Um, the doctors knew it couldn't be that, and his mum was pretty sure that he wouldn't be um, feeling the way that he felt that quickly. He said um, to his mum, Katie Ballard, he told her that he'd eaten a slug, and she said dismissively, "No, no one gets sick from that." Um, but actually, doctors then diagnosed what had happened to him, and it was completely correct. Sam had developed rat lungworm disease from the infected slug. Oh, what fuck. Oh, There we go, here we go. Rat lungworm disease is caused by a parasitic worm called angiostronolus carcinosis. The parasite lodges in the lungs of rats and is later excreted in their ex- excrement. So in theory, along comes a slug or a snail, sometimes freshwater crab, shrimp, prawn or frogs, and they either eat the rat poo or the parasite works its way into the creature, infecting it. Um, But fish, as I've just mentioned, like the shrimp, the prawns, they don't spread the parasite. Humans can be infected if they eat the raw or undercooked contaminated animals or vegetables carrying unseen snails or slugs that have not been <sighs> thoroughly washed. Oh, fuck. So, like when I first read this story, I was like, "Oh my god, this is a mad story! How weird!" But you think about the potential of us having produce in our home that has snails or slugs in it. Yeah, it's fucking massive. Massive. You would never, obviously, a lot of the stuff that we buy has pesticides on it, but. Not all of the time and especially if you make make it grow it yourself. Like yeah. that happens more and more. Lots of people doing little vegetable gardens in their garden. It could easily happen. Yeah, my sister used to, like, eat nothing that my dad grew because she was always worried there'd be, like, a slug in it. Really? <laughs> well, I might, be, on to the right thing. I might be over-egging it. I feel like there was a bit of a thing around, like, if we knew it was grown in the garden, we'd be like, oh, no, like, don't oh, eat it's it. It's dirty. Well, and actually... realising that's much nicer. Like, than... <laughs> the best thing. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'd be like, yes, I'd have <laughs> a <laughs> casual <Ooh>. patch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> my stomach was agreeing with you. There's
1: <laughs> <laughs> a slug in there, that's no! what I- <laughs> <laughs> we're having an
0: argument now. Please <laughs> <laughs> keep that in. Please. I will. If, I will if you can hear the uh, hear it. Okay.
1: Um, drinks can also become contaminated with worms if left open for snails and slugs to enter. Careful with your drinks, lads. Unlike in rats, the worm's life cycle is not completed in the human. So instead of passing through the digestive tract, the worm larvae larvae, larvae, can get lost, go to the brain, and it will stay there. The parasite is not passed from human to human. When it gets to the brain, it's when you can have eso, esinophilic meningitis, which is an inflammation of the membrane surrounding the brain and spinal cord. <sighs> Most cases of rat lungworm disease are typically mild and often people make a quick recovery. But in some cases, like Sam's, the disease can cause catastrophic damage. So soon after the diagnosis, which happened quite quickly after he ate the slug, um, Sam fell into a coma. He woke up...
0: Sorry, how long after he ate the slug?
1: This was like within hours Hours. or days. Um, He woke up 420 days later... Um, but unfortunately he'd acquired a brain injury. Oh my God! He woke up paralysed, unable to eat without a tube or move without intense effort. He required 24-hour care, seven days a week. Um, But his friends and family said that the disease hadn't affected his mental faculties and he was still able to communicate. So in the pictures that I saw of him, he was you know, wheelchair-bound, but I think he was able to talk. I think he was able to have conversations with people and mm. and at least communicate in some way um even though he couldn't eat um but yeah unfortunately the disease ended up taking his life and he died last year in November um of complications um, oh my god yeah it's just really sad mm. and um I didn't go into the further details but it was just there's quite a lot of quotes from his mum in there about how like she didn't blame his friends and his friends had stuck like, by him and there's a big like kind mm. of really um close knit Community around him, and I just think, well, you couldn't, you couldn't blame friends and people. No, Obviously, yeah. not everybody eats slugs, but it was just a prank. You would never expect something like that to happen no. to anyone. That no, would... and, and I suppose they didn't like forcibly make him do it. No, like, it was like a bit of a laugh, whatever. But, like when you think, and, about, like there's so many things, particularly when you're like a teenager, possibly that you think. You might just do because, like, oh, whatever, without even considering. And, like, the tiniest thing can have such huge consequences, but who would ever know? No. Mm. And you wouldn't... I just, yeah, I think the things that people do recklessly when they're young and teenager, and I think they get away with it, this is not on the scale of that. Like, you no. just wouldn't... You wouldn't assume this would happen at all. I mean, you would now, after you listen to the podcast, mm. obviously. Um, But, yeah. And it it was quite big news last year, so people, lots of people said... um he did something and eight years later he died but he'd been suffering with it since he right, did it yeah. so that the kind of the headlines about it were misleading um, he had been suffering with the issue since he swallowed the slug um, but yeah don't eat slugs everyone that's fine I
0: wasn't planning on it yeah
1: I sort of took that as a given yeah 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 fine oh that is sad yeah right, really sorry. Is sad. sorry to end on that drama note So,
0: this is the part of the evening, or it might be morning when you're listening,
1: (laughs) the podcast, where we talk about girl crushes, which is just to lighten the mood, um, and we are lightening the mood, because my story is a bit of a bummer, sorry, Um, where we just talk about women that are inspiring us, that we like, that we think are cool, that we think are funny, that we think are smashing it, Um, there's no criteria apart from the fact they have to be a woman or identify as a woman. Um... So, daily, why don't you tell us who yours is this week?
0: Mine is Esther Perel. Does anyone know who Esther Perel is? No. I want
1: to say yes, but I couldn't tell you. Because
0: if you don't, you really should. <laughs> so, she is a Belgian psychotherapist who is probably best known for her books and her podcast. And she is all about sex and relationships and mostly about long term relationships, monogamy, intimacy, eroticism. Just do the love
1: languages. Is this her?
0: Not that I know of. Um, but she's written a book called Mating in Captivity and she her podcast is called Where Should We Begin? That's and what it is. Yeah. Layla,
1: who I keep fucking, or you, we keep mentioning on this podcast, Layla listens to that and she's recommended it before.
0: It's so good. Yeah, oh my god, it's so good! That's what it is. Yeah. So where should we begin? Is Esther Perel's podcast, and so she's a she's a relationship psychotherapist, basically sex and love psychotherapist, um, and she her podcast is real life couples therapy sessions, mm. so actual couples and their actual therapy sessions and everything that comes along with that, um, and she's just a total genius. She's so obviously it's wildly intelligent but speaks so clearly about issues around monogamy fidelity um what it you know how um relationships have evolved over time the concept of monogamy has, has evolved over time and like if someone has cheated and then the other party feels hurt it's actually an attack on your identity it's not necessarily like the fact that someone your partner has slept with someone else it's the fact that they were going away seeking something that you couldn't offer to them etc etc like she did every single word that comes out of her mouth i find absolutely fascinating um so she's mine and she's like she's cool as fuck she's belgian with this amazing history like her parents were holocaust survivors um she's like in her 60s but looks amazing i mean not but looks amazing she's in her 60s and looks amazing um and she's brilliant. She's recently done a TED Talk as well, so she's been able uh, the a little bit. So, yeah, so just a little pr- official blurb is um, she's explored the tension between the need for security, i.e. love, belonging, and closeness, and the need for freedom, i.e. erotic desire, adventure, and distance in human
1: relationships. Mm, that sounds interesting. It's very, very, very cool. It's always, uh, yeah, because... Layla's mentioned it to me before. It's always one that I've had in my ready to listen to. It's always on my phone, but I feel like I have to be in the right frame of mind to listen to it. Yeah, probably. Um, and I just haven't bitten the bullet yet. But it's great. Good shout. Very nice. There you go. Esther mm-hmm. Perel.
0: Else, who's nice. yours?
1: Who are you loving? Um, mine is Lolly Adafope. Oh, great. Because uh, why she... She... none of us have done her actually? Yeah. yeah, that's true. She's super funny. I've seen her like do a show and in other things, but she's most recently been in Ghosts. Mm. Have you seen it? Uh, No, I really want to watch it. It's It's so funny, and it's, like, quite light-hearted, so obviously there's things like Fleabag that have been around that are, like, super good, but they've got quite a, like a, they've got a lot of, like, depth and layers Mm. to them, whereas Ghosts is just a bit more, like, super funny and not too intense or whatever, so Mm. it's quite... Not an easy watch, but like a light-hearted watch, hmm. and she's so funny in it. She plays a, I don't know what era she's supposed to be from because the concept is they're all like, like Victorian, isn't it? Or something I think like that. it's slightly older than that. I think it's more like Regency period or whatever. Uh. I don't really know when that is, but, <laughs> um, and she just like plays this really naive like woman who always kitty who always wants to like have sleepovers and talk about boys and she's just (laughs) so funny and i think Um, because her like facial expressions like she's just i just really like her and um out of a really funny cast she is a standout in it i think so awesome i recommend it they are like half an hour on I play it. although they've probably started to go now actually because they've stopped yeah mm. I've seen like Twitter's
0: been loving ghosts so mm. I just haven't got around to watching it I might watch it tonight there's yeah. loads of
1: people in it isn't there uh, like faces that I recognise yeah yeah yeah. there's that guy you know the guy, guy. Oh <laughs> <girl>. <laughs> Lolly's actually the only person that I know the name of I think <laughs> everybody else I just like recognise but couldn't tell who they are mm. Mm. very nice yeah that's fine Um, mine is Maisie Hill Yep. For the listeners, I'm holding up a book that I'm reading. Right I was now. like, Should I know that
0: name? And I was like, Oh, I'm looking at it. <laughs> <I'm literally
1: laughs> What's she done? Um, and she has written a book called Period Power that I'm reading at the moment and I haven't finished, but I like it a lot already. And it's all about harnessing your hormones and getting your cycle working for you. So sorry, lads who listen to this podcast, not potentially one for you. But um, I'm very, very interested in the idea of how you map your periods and your cycle, and how it affects your moods and the things that you do, how it affects every single facet of your life, not from like a monthly point of view, but from a quarterly, a yearly, a complete cyclical point of view. Um, and it's really, really interesting so far. It's quite, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not like sciency. I mean, it's obviously your human body, but like it's very informative and mm. I find that quite interesting. But I have to make myself read, like, pay attention to it when I'm reading. Like, sometimes when I read, I can literally read words whilst thinking about, like, oh yeah, I yeah. do that all the time. Makeup, and yeah. it's really difficult to like rein myself back in. But yeah. um, I think that I am quite keen to get to grips with this and understand how everything about my body affects the way that I behave and yeah. think. And this is, I think, this is becoming really popular at the moment. There's another woman that I follow on Instagram called Claire baker claire j baker who talks about mapping your period and understanding like from day one to day however long yeah um when you're going to be low when you're going to be happy when you're going to be sad when you're going to be really creative and really like bossy at work Mm. assertive um when you're going to have a really low couple of days when you're going to this and this and i feel like for me, as a woman, I don't know anybody else, but it just feels like every month it's always like, why am I feeling like this today? And it's probably because mm. this is happening in your cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really shit to have like, well, this is just a chemical thing happening in your body. But actually, it's quite refreshing to have a reason as to, I'm going to feel like this on Tuesday because I'm da da yeah. And I think that that's like quite empowering to be able to get on top of. So I'm quite keen to get on top of it. And I think this book, Period Power by Maisie Hill, will help me do that. So I recommend it. It's quite dense, actually. Which yeah. Um, I think it'd be smaller I massively agree I think it's really like it's really important because of all the different ways it can make you feel and I really recommend an app called Horm- hormone horoscope Ooh. which basically does that but obviously not in so much detail um, and it maps your cycle and then you like go onto the day and it will tell you like you might be feeling like this today because da da, da da da. Sometimes it's a little bit like Teen Vogue in their language, like "oh, you'll be really attracted to in that honey today." So, you hey, know. a um, little bit Teen Vogue. I feel like we should all be a
0: little bit Teen. We vogue. should all be a little bit
1: Teen Vogue, but it is really important. And like I said, like I was feeling a certain way, and I was like, said to Matt, and I was like, but I've looked at my home in horoscope, and he was like, is it not a little bit? Um, What's the word when it...
0: When, oh, yeah. It's like a um, self-fulfilling thing. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But I don't think it is because quite often I'll be feeling a certain way and then I'll think, oh, I wonder if it's because of this and then it will really marry up with what it's saying. And it doesn't, like, it's always always 100% because obviously, like, in your life there's lots of other things that might be going on. But I think for me, especially those days when I'm feeling, like, super quiet or, like, really anxious about something or, like, just really unconfident, it's quite reassuring to then look at something and be, like you might be feeling like this and this is because your hormones are doing that at the moment to be like okay that's understandable i'm going to keep myself a little bit quiet today and if i don't quite feel like doing this it's not just because of x y and z it's also because this is happening to you yeah i really agree with that actually i've just um again layla layla can you get out of my brain please um she recommended this app to me called co-star um which is not focused on periods but it's about like horoscopes and your moon is in uranus and stuff like that like (laughs) but when you're born and so it is horoscopes but it's a little bit more in depth than that and i am like interested as fuck in stuff like that but also skeptical as skeptical as fuck um but i really like looking at this because like you said it's not that it's a confirmative bias thing it's a i'm feeling a bit weird. Let me see if there's anything that I can like... And I think that with stuff like this, it makes me compartmentalise the way that I'm feeling about a certain thing. So I'll look at something like this and I'll be like, I'm feeling like this today. And it will just have interesting little things that say, oh, actually, you've got pressure in in work and your social life. And I'm like, I actually agree with that or no, I don't agree with that. So it makes me think about it more. So even if Mm. I don't 100% agree with what it's saying, Mm -hmm. even though I tend to... Um, a lot of the time it makes me think more about the little the little kind of pockets of things that I could be thinking about that are affecting my mood rather than it being like I'm in a bad mood x it makes me think about why I'm in a bad mood and why that's making me feel like that if that makes sense well it does make sense and then I think that allows you to like get on top of it a lot more or like and not even necessarily to like rein it in because like if you're feeling shit because you're you're about to come in your period and you've got radiant PMT that's fine but the feeling of that like this is how i was used to feel it's like the feeling of that is un- like not uncontrollable as if like i'm out of control like normally it would just be like i'd get annoyed with something but like more annoyed than normal but like that's not a nice way to feel or like i'll pick a fight with like matt because- for not really any reason and i'll feel shit about it but also like absolutely nothing i can do about it mm. so i think to just be able to say that's why it's happened it doesn't stop you from feeling it but to acknowledge it rather than just and then also to say to matt like i'm really sorry this i think this is why i'm feeling like this at the moment mm, yeah it's much easier than just being like what the fuck is wrong with you or why am i feeling like this because it's never a nice way to feel it. and it's really horrible when people are like oh i'm didn't know so she's got pmt it's like yeah fucking do because it's yeah, a real thing and that's yeah. this is how it's making me feel so yes i do but yeah. just get on with it and I will probably be a bit ratty today
0: but don't least, talk to me yeah. or
1: just let me get on with it or at least you know that rather than you being ratty with someone reacting to someone's whatever and then you feeling guilty after the fact it's more yeah. a case of I know I'm going to be a bit shitty so I'm either going to tell people first and foremost I'm in a bit of a bad mood today yeah don't take anything I say personally or I'm trying really hard not to be a dick or you just won't have those reactions because you know it's coming up and I do feel like you're right, like. Throughout history, it's always been oh she's on a period, she's got PM PMT, and it's like yeah we can't fucking help it yeah. everyone. This is just part of being mm. a woman or having a womb or being born with these things inside of us. Like it's just the way that it is, and I don't think that reading a few horoscopy things like is a bad thing. Like not you can at all. Just... If
0: it's a use, if you find it personally a useful tool for you to work through the emotions that you're experiencing, it's fucking great. Yeah. Like, why the fuck not?
1: Yeah. I, there's this other woman that I follow, Laura Jane Williams, and she started, like, mapping her work weeks or, like, her working, like, you know, April to April is, like, the financial year. She started mapping it that way so she understands her money. And then she's also, I think... And un- like mapped in when she's ovulating and when she's coming on a period and doing stuff like that, so she knows when she's going to be really fucking powerful, when she's going to be really like driven, and when also she yeah. just needs to be away from people. Yeah. I feel like if I could, I, yeah, if I could live my life like that, where I'm like, this week I'm going to be amazing. I need to be in the office. I need to be seeing people. I need to be mingling with people. This week I need to be in a fucking hole. Like I yeah. can't see people. I don't want people to look at me. I feel like my life would be better. I feel like I don't think. As women, we can do the same thing every single day and expect the same results because we're fundamentally different every single day of the month, potentially because of our cycle. Like, I feel like there's things out of our control that happen to us mm. that we can't potentially anticipate unless we get to grips with things that are understandable, i.e., what Maisie Hill's talking about in Period Power. Mm. I just find it really fascinating. And if it makes me a better person, self improvement is a hobby. I'm all for it. And I, but I also think if you if you don't if you don't have the luxury, not the luxury, but if you can't map your month like that because oh, you don't yeah. have a job that allows you most to do it. Most people can't. Most people can't. It also doesn't mean that you're not capable of doing the thing. Because, you know, like some people can be like, well, it's that whole thing of like, oh, she couldn't possibly make a rational decision if she was doing this. And then, so I guess it's that thing of being like, I can make a rational decision oh, still. Yeah. It's just that if you say something to me i might punch you but i can <laughs> i'm still i'm still capable like i still have hold yeah. of my faculties or whatever it and is and women have been doing it for centuries yeah. we definitely can it's more a case of just having the power to understand internally why you might be feeling like shit or that person's really fucked you off more yeah. than normal or whatever and, but i think the thing as well about like at other times of the month when actually you're like on fire your brain's really working like you're feeling really confident there's a lot to be said about that and it's mm. quite nice when you're like I think if I know that I'm going to be like that at like a social, like something sociable is coming up, then I think, like, oh, yes, good, I'm going to be like doing yeah. it that day. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. otherwise I'll be like, oh, I might be feeling a bit weird about this or about uncertain about that, or I might just be like pissed off about something small or something. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's really it is powerful knowledge. I think to understand your body in that way because you can't really do anything about it, but understanding it is is important. Knowledge is power. Exactly.
0: That's quite a nice way to end it, I'd say. <laughs> power. And that is a really great Girl crush shout. Yeah, you and can all borrow
1: the book once I've finished it.
0: Yeah, learning more about yourself and what your body, how your body affects you is mm. what everyone needs.
1: Yeah, man, definitely. And horoscopes, obviously. And horoscopes. I feel like you're potentially a horoscope skeptic.
0: Well, I don't really believe it, but then I am such a Libra. Like that's the thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it doesn't really. It's not right, is it? But then when I read a Libra, I'm like, fuck hell, that's me. That's it. That's That's, that's, us. that's all the nonsense a wrap. That we that talk is about. A wrap. Um, thank you so much for listening yet again. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, if you've got anything to say, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at
1: WhatAwayPod. Leave us a five star review on Apple, iTunes, Apple Loomus, Podcasts. Yeah. Um, or
0: whatwaypod yeah. at gmail.com? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And Uh,
0: tell us your cycles. When are you (laughs) ovulating?
1: Let's all map it out together. When's your luteal phase? What? I don't even know
0: what that is. That's the phase after you've popped an egg out. (laughs) (laughs) But before you've come on your period. (laughs) Give us your dates. (laughs) There's all my it together. and then we'll make a big chart mm. of all the way to go, listeners. Mm. You too, Kev. You can, you can <laughs> So too, Danny, <laughs> Danny's not
1: going to be part of this. I don't think he's not keen on this. We can
0: find. We'll find something else for the for the people that don't have Sam Knives. Not really. <laughs> not really a fan. We've got quite a few lads. Three. Three. <laughs> those, those are the three. Kev, Sam, and Danny.
1: Anyway. Thanks, everyone, well, anyway. We don't do it. Actually,
0: don't send us your ovulation. We can if you want. Do, <laughs> do you know, whatever you, what you want. It's just to sound our
1: life might. Do whatever you want. Have a lovely time. Peace out. Don't eat any slugs. Yeah. Or climb up Everest. Or go in a freezer. Or, or be a butcher, I'll be honest. <laughs> be yeah, fair enough. Thanks so much. Good. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. bye.